Praise God and welcome to the Word at My Church. I'm Pastor Stephanie and if this is the first time joining us, we want you to know that you are in the right place. And I encourage you to share this broadcast with at least three people because as believers, we have a mandate to spread the gospel all over the world. We are a teaching ministry with a mission to help people get better by teaching them how the Word works. So get your Bible, your notebook, pen, your highlighter, and let's get ready to dig into God's word. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Precious God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. We worship you, Lord, today. Lord, we just thank you that we are in the season to celebrate your birth, the beautiful gift that your father sent down here to us. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing and all that you have done in our lives this week. And Father God, we pray that as we continue to go on through the moments of reminiscing and and enjoying the times during the holidays, Father God. Father God, I pray for those that are grieving. And Lord, I pray for those that may not have anybody to celebrate with. But Lord, let somebody who has you all in them share their story and their life in you with them. And Lord, I pray that you just have your way. And um, we thank you, Lord God, for this wonderful time that we'll spend together in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you've been with us, then you know that this is the year that God wants to restore the church to a greater place of influence and impact. Um, You know, he's chosen us to be his change agents in the earth. So you're a change agent, praise God. And our job as believers is to be salt and light, to change the flavor of the environment wherever we go, to influence those we come in contact with. And for the past couple of weeks, we've been um, talking about tapping into a higher frequency. Because in order to fulfill the vision that God has given us as the church, we have and have the kind of impact and influence that um, he intended us to have. You know, we must be able to hear from God and do what he says. We must be able to hear his voice with clarity. And on last time, Pastor Tuck told us that we must press the mute button (laughs) because what we hear and receive externally are just recorded messages playing on a continual loop in your mind. My God. So, if we're going to tap into the frequency of heaven, we've got to press the mute button. The power of silence is just that powerful. In Psalms 62 verse 1, it says, I stand silently to listen for the one I love, waiting as long as it takes for the Lord to rescue me. For God alone has become my Savior. And that was the Passion Translation. Um, Another translation says, everything I need comes from Him. See, it's in silence that we are able to receive necessary instructions, that we are able to hear God's voice with clarity. And uh, he talked about Psalm chapter 46, verse 10. It says, be still. And know that I am God. Now in this verse, God invites us to embrace stillness, to quiet our minds, to close our mouths, 
and recognize his presence because by doing so, we produce an atmosphere where God can speak to us and silence will produce obedience. The most irritating thing is when you're talking to somebody <laughs> and they talk over you or they have something to talk back or say back at you and they did not hear one single solitary directive or instruction or they missed the meaning behind what was even being said to them. My God, I remember in staff meetings, sometimes the... um program manager all she was being was the messenger she had to report things and directives from the head office to us but there were moments when people who didn't even have the same type of decision making power that she had would sit there and actually argue with her be insubordinate not listening you know, um, got their own minds made up of what they gonna do, but not what the organization is asking us to do. So they totally missed the direction and derailed the goals and the mindset of the organization. Silence creates an environment where we can be receptive to the instruction that God designed for us, where we can truly hear from God in the stillness we open ourselves up to receive God's guidance and instruction. So, you know, we're open our, ourselves up to receive that guidance and instruction. And silence enables us to listen attentively to God's voice. See, when we stop talking and allow ourselves to be still, we become more receptive to the gentle whispers of the Holy Spirit. However, when God revealed himself through his spirit or with angels, many times the environment was at night and in a dream. And many times, y'all, it wasn't always a gentle whisper. <laughs> but, you know, God revealed himself through his spirit and or angels. Now, one of my mama's favorite songs for me to play on the piano during Christmas was Silent Night. And honestly, it was one of my favorite songs too. You know, I sit there and it made me think about, you know, the shepherds and the wise men, Mary and Joseph and the sweet baby Jesus in the manger. How beautiful that night must have been. But during my study and listening to the word from the last Sunday, God revealed that it was much more than the silent night. It was what happened afterward. <laughs> it was about and still remains today one of the things that seems to no longer exist. And if we be honest, some of us don't like it at all. So today, I want to talk about Silent Night, the power of obedience. Is that all right? Silent Night, the power of obedience. Certain times at night, things are still, and I mean very still. My grandmother lived in an area called Franklin County, and, you know, she had a farm or, you know, a farm and garden and all of that good stuff. But when it was dark, y'all, it was dark, dark. People will call the term country dark, where literally you can't see 
anything. You can't hardly see your hand in front of your face, okay? <laughs> but it was quiet. And I remember the many days that I would sit on my grandma's front porch and, you know, talk to my cousins or my aunts or my grandma, <clears throat> excuse me, and just sit in the coolness of night. Now, sleep is also a time when we are quiet. Our brains rest, but as our brains rest, we can even experience dreams, you know, things that have been downloaded throughout the day. But we also know there are some dreams that are so real about people that we know. And then the next day we see them, that same instance occurred, right? So, you know, things happen in, in dreams. Now, during these times, Silence quiets our voice. Silence makes us receptive to God's love. Silence allows God to minister to your belief system. Silence filters your thoughts so you can ask, was that God or was it me? Huh? Y'all been there. We're like, Lord, is that you? <laughs> or Lord, is it me? And a lot of times when it's, is it me and it is you, you need to get out of your own way. See, silence is not to be feared or challenged. Silence is closely related to obedience to God's direction as it enables individuals to listen, discern, and submit to his will without the interference of distractions. Now, Y'all come with me on a journey. Again, it's Christmas time, and I love any type of scripture that has something to do with the birth of Jesus, okay? So let's turn to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 8. And I'm going to read from the NIV version. And it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. I laughed. Uh, one of my um, my dads, I call him my dad, he and I love cartoons, and he had a little video of Linus um, with uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. And, you know, I, it's funny. I can, I can recite <laughs> exactly what Linus said, you know. And Linus said, you know, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. <laughs> when the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
See, the shepherds decided to see for themselves what the Lord had done. The shepherds listened and obeyed to what the Lord told them. The presence of the angels was already a clear sign that offered validation. It validated the message about the Messiah. But God wanted the shepherds to see the infant Jesus, glory to God, and gaze on their Savior. Type in the comments, seeing is believing. They did not hesitate or argue. They weren't sitting there bickering back and forth. They all saw the same thing. They all saw the clear sign of God displaying this message of love to them. So they didn't hesitate or argue, but willingly obeyed the message. Now, turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew 1, and we're going to verse 18, and I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. And it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place under these circumstances. When his mother Mary had been promised in marriage to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the power, glory to God, of the Holy Spirit. And her promised husband Joseph, being a just and upright man and not willing to expose her publicly and to shame and disgrace her, decided to divorce her secretly and quietly. But as he was thinking this over, now I'm going to pause right here. Many times when we start thinking about stuff, remember I said last time I, I taught that thoughts aren't always 100% accurate. And many times our thoughts are affected by the situations we're in. So you can just imagine how Joseph was feeling, but it was nice that he wanted to quote unquote divorce her quietly and secretly because he didn't want to embarrass the girl. But the fact that he was even thinking about divorcing her, you know, God didn't like divorce. So when he began to think it over, that's when Joseph got in the way. So it goes on to say, behold, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, descendant of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from out of the Holy Spirit. Remember I told you, filter your thoughts and ask, was that God or was it me? Verse 21, and it says, she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, which means Savior, for he will save his people from their sins. My God, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And the Amplified ver Version says, that is, prevent them from failing and missing the true end and scope of life. Wow. Which is God. My, my, my. So Jesus. Whew, was a, is, was born. Jesus was God's gift of love to us so that he will save his people from their sins. Thank you, Lord. Whew. That is prevent from them failing and missing the true end and scope of life, which is God. 
all this took place that it might be fulfilled, which the Lord had spoken through the prophet. Verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Right? So he was aroused from his sleep. You think about sometimes when you're in a deep sleep and then you have somebody that comes in and wakes you up. And many times you might wake up not the most pleasant person, but Joseph did the complete opposite. You know, he was aroused from his sleep and he did as the angel of the Lord, what commanded him. He took her to his side as his wife. See, obedience caused Joseph to remove himself. It caused him to submit to instruction. And my God, because he listened to the instruction and understood what the angel was trying to, trying to tell him in a, in a dream, that he was protecting Mary. He was protecting the pregnancy. He was protecting the gift that God gave us, which is the baby Jesus, right? And if he didn't listen to what the angel had commanded him, do you imagine what kind of mess we would be in? So because he was obedient and he removed himself, because he could have very well acted out in his flesh and saying, I ain't listened to nothing they said. Nothing this angel said is real to me. I don't care. I'm going to divorce this woman. But he didn't. Praise God. And because of that, he submitted to the instruction and protected that pregnancy. Verse 25, it says, but he had no union with her as her husband until she had born her first son. And he called his name Jesus. My God. Mm. See, when the angel appeared to, in a dream to Joseph surrounding the birth of Jesus, it demonstrated that the angels appearing in dreams are a means through which God communicates important information and instruction to individuals. Man. So, you know, the, you know, they, the angel came to tell uh, Joseph not to divorce Mary and was telling Joseph, hey, look, your wife is pregnant, impregnated through the Holy Spirit, through God's Holy Spirit and is getting ready to bring the Messiah. He's getting ready. To, she's getting ready to birth Jesus, who is the Savior, who's going to help us and save us through from all our sins. So when it talks about he had no union with her as a as her husband, you know, in other words, he didn't lay with her. And, you know, that in itself is important because, you know, Joseph wasn't trying to uh, contaminate what God had instructed Mary to birth forward. You know, a lot of times if people act out of their selfish ambitions or want to satisfy their own needs, they will forfeit the promise that God has put in them in order to please themselves, ignoring any instruction, ignoring any guidance or wisdom from people that are put in your life to want to make you better, huh? So you don't want to contaminate your environment. 
But in order to get that and to really hear how God communicates important um, information, sometimes it's got to happen in silence. Now, the act of obedience was crucial to the events that led up to the surrounding of Jesus' birth. You know, Joseph's obedience in the presence of God is something. You know, it was huge. And it's so easy to overlook his faithfulness and obedience because we talk more about his finding out that his fiance was pregnant. You know, you hear it all the time. Lord, mm, mm, mm. I wonder what Joseph thought. Mary showing up pregnant with somebody else's baby and she's supposed to be a virgin. Yeah. Okay. You know, we focus on that. Sometimes we focus on and overlook the importance when we begin to explain to others what happened or that he was a man who led Mary on a donkey to the manger. <laughs> but because of his obedience, Joseph played a key role in God's plan for redemption. His willingness to obey and be used by God is emphasized as an essential part of the story of Jesus's birth. So his willingness to obey instruction and to be used by God, my Lord, how many want to be used by God? But in order to do that, you got to move yourself out of the way. Okay. So because he listened to God's instruction, my God, and that he wanted to be used by God right along with Mary, my, it caused the birth of Jesus Christ to be fulfilled. So you need to ask yourself, how many times have our disobedience to God's instruction affected our plans? But most importantly, God's plan for us. Wow. Think about that. How many times has our disobedience to God's instruction affected our plans, but most importantly, God's plan for us? Wow. Turn to Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to go to verse 7. Now, bear with me. We're going to read some scriptures here. All right, let's look at verse 7, and I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. And it says, Then Herod sent for the wise men secretly and accurately to the last point ascertained from them the time of the appearing of the star. That is how long the star had made itself visible since its rising in the east. So, you know, Herod was being sneaky. Uh, you know, Herod, Herod was someone that was being used by the enemy, but, you know, he did things secretly and he was trying to find out the specific location of where the star was going to show up. So he asked an astrologer. Hmm. Wow. You know, and I, I laugh. I said, you know, I don't I don't fall into horoscopes or whatever or, or, or live by them. But some people literally live by. Um, information that's provided by, you know, astronomy, astrologers, scientists. But, you know, there's so much more than that. And a lot of times, y'all, 
it's not for our best interest. So, you know, these wise men, they were very smart. Yes. But Herod was seeking wisdom after them to try to help him set something up. So let's look at verse eight. It says, then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search the child carefully and diligently. And when you have found him, bring me the word that I too may come and worship him. Wow. Look out because the enemy will try to trick you into the plan of disobedience and derailment of God's plan. When they had listened to the king, they went their way and behold, the star which has been seen in the east in its rising went before them until it came and stood over the place where the young child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with ecstatic joy. Wow. And on going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasure bags, they presented him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we all know that gold stands for kingship because we know Jesus Christ is the king of kings, right? Frank, frankincense was for worship because the whole purpose of bowing and being before him and the babe before the babe is worship. And myrrh was the, um, the herb that anointed, they used to anoint people, um, in their death. So myrrh is death and mourning. So isn't it ironic, not ironic, but isn't it God, how all of it has a connection. Jesus, you know, intricate, intricately, let me say that three times, connected. <laughs> that, you know, one detail affects another, right? So, you know, they saw the baby. They saw the mother. You know, all they were looking for at first was a star. But to see, you know, God's love manifested in the flesh, I'd fall down and worship too. So, verse 12. And receiving an answer to their asking, they were divinely instructed and warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. So they departed their own country by a different way. See, the wise men, they too received divine instruction and they were obedient. Excuse me. So yeah, they, they received instruction from Herod. But let's be real. His, his instruction wasn't divine. His instruction was based upon himself and upon his motives, right? But when it says they were divinely instructed, they had already experienced uh, the, the wonders of uh, the Holy Spirit, the wonders of this infant that was born that was represent, representing God's love. And believe it or not, the God's love that they saw was the God's love for them. So when someone bends down to worship, a lot of times they leave whatever they have or been through and push it aside and focus on the one that is divinely set up for worship. And that was the Lord Jesus and how he came here on earth, right? Verse 13. Now, after they had gone... Behold, 
an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, take unto you the young child and its mother and flee to Egypt and remain there till I tell you otherwise. For Herod intends to search for the child in order to instruct, to destroy him, excuse me. And having risen, he took the child and his mother by night and withdrew to Egypt and remained there until Herod's death. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt, have I caught my son. Wow. Again, he, meaning Joseph, was approached by an angel of the Lord in a dream. And the, and the angel specifically said what he wanted to, him to do to get the baby and the mother or the young child and the mother and flee to Egypt and remain there till I tell you otherwise. Wow. What happened if Joseph said, man, you know, I ain't staying there. We got some things to do. I'm not listening to what you say. Come on now. The worst thing to do is to defy your parents. The worst thing to do is not listen to something that's supposed to protect you and keep you safe just because you don't want to. That's called direct disobedience. And disobedience is out of order with God. There's nothing wrong, y'all, with being obedient. So far from what I've discussed, it proves to be true. See, the significance of angels appearing to people in dreams in the Bible, it lies in the understanding that the appearances are often treated as messages from God himself, delivering divine guidance and revelations to those who receive them. I want to receive everything. Give me all the divine guidance, God. Give me all the revelation, God. I'll be obedient because I am open to receive. Y'all know it's Christmas time. And sure enough, all the gifts are under the tree. Now, if you worked really hard to get a gift for someone you love, and then you give it to them, and the only thing they do is cast it aside, how's that going to make you feel? Huh? They weren't ready to receive it. They didn't want to receive it. So I'm pretty sure I would be like, well, guess what? You ain't getting nothing next year. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you ain't getting nothing next year. But it's so important to be open to how God wants to deliver divine guidance and revelation to those who would receive them. Obedience to God's direction enables us to listen discern, and submit. Listen, discern, and submit to his will. So these things are required. So I'm not going to keep you long because I know, again, you know, it's, I know y'all probably entertaining or whatever, but the word is important. But I began to think more about Again, the story of the birth of Jesus, the events that led up to his birth, even the things that the prophets revealed, and the fact that all of it was revealed in a divine nature, in a divinely 
uh, and a divinely, uh, what am I trying to say? Demonstration of God's message to them. And the fact that all of them were obedient, you know, and of course, the last time I was with you all, I talked about Zachariah, you know, Zachariah was doubting God and needless to say, the angel closed his mouth up until John was born. So that's what happens when, you know, doubt comes in. The enemy can use doubt to cause you to second guess that leads you to disobedience. And then the next thing you know, you're in trouble, right? So again, obedience to God's direction enables us to listen, discern, and submit. Yeah, submission is not a bad thing. And I'm saying that to men and women. Because you have someone that has authority over you, you submit to their authority, right? Um, you know, I think about, I tell people all the time, you know, I love being a submitted wife and I am one. And I'm one of the most happiest submitted wives out there. Why? Because my husband submits himself unto the instruction of the Lord. And because the Lord guides him, then I have no choice but to follow him. Why wouldn't I? Because I would like to have the same thing that's on his life. It'll flow down to me and then it'll flow down to our children. You know, people ask all the time, how did y'all make it work? You know, how did you keep your girls out of trouble? How did you keep them from, you know, uh, getting caught up with the wrong fella? How did you keep them focused on getting good grades and et cetera? Because we listen to God's direction. We listened to God's instruction and it may not have come straight out and smacked us in the face, <laughs> but see, we had enough word in us to want to be able to seek God's will for what, uh, what he wanted for, for us to improve ourselves so that we can prepare and improve our girls and develop them into godly seed. Okay. So I'm going to give you some quick steps for obedience. All right, quick steps for obedience. And it helps you because you can kind of step back and say, have I been doing these things? Because you know the year's getting ready to roll out, but you can make a change today. All right. The first step, seek God's will. Christians need to seek God's will for their lives and make decisions in accordance with it. Woo-wee. You got to seek the will of God. You know, our girls were in public schools and at their ages, when we took them out, they were five and eight. Um, there were some things that happened in the schools that um, set up my daughters for being mistreated and um, some things that we did not teach our kids in our house, but they were learning at school because parents didn't take responsibility for teaching their children the right, right way. And when we saw that it upset our children, that the enemy was upsetting our girls, we then made that decision to start a school. And that's when we started the Kingdom Academy. <laughs> And people thought Pastor Tucker and I were crazy. But we had to seek God's will. And when God said, you know what? Take them out of school. We didn't doubt. We were obedient to God's word. But those who did not understand that 
how we uh, sought after God for the decision, thought we were crazy, thought we were making the biggest mistakes. But, I mean, we always talk about it, but only reason why we talk about it is because we're boasting in the Lord, not in our abilities, but in the Lord's abilities. And because we did that, our girls turned out to be so successful they could quote scripture better than me at the age of six and, and 10 or six and eight. You feel me? They were able to apply scripture to their lives as they were going on through their, um, their growth period to adolescence to now into adulthood. But they also excelled academically. You know, they both went to early college and graduated with honors, went on to get full scholarships to undergraduate schools and my baby girl, she got a 4.0 <laughs> in computer engineering at that. And then my oldest daughter, she's getting ready to graduate in May, excuse me, with her master's in architecture. And, you know, she just posted her grades on Facebook, you know. But the fact that they both got out of undergraduate school in three years is something to say. So, you know, y'all, people can say what they want. And I'm not saying y'all, I'm saying all of them, those and they's that are out there that said something contrary to what we believed that we thought God's will was for our family. You can see God was pleased. Amen. And that he continues to develop us to make them productive citizens. So seek God's will, y'all, and be obedient. Yeesh. Abide in Christ. It's important for Christians to abide in Christ and maintain the love for him and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. When you abide in something, you sit there with it. When you abide in something, you're in that environment all the time. And it doesn't have to be an environment like in a building. It can actually be an environment, the place in your mind, the place in your heart, the place in your spirit. Abide in Christ and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when things pop up that want to make you disobedient and not embrace the power of what obedience can bring, y'all, the power of the Holy Spirit can cause you to uh, like sharpshoot things that will cause disobedience. You become a sharpshooter for the Lord, right? You become that person that can see and detect where things are going south because of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. So you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and he will guide you. So in order to do that, you got to spend time with Christ. You got to spend time with the Lord. You have to spend time in his word and you have to understand his love for him, your love for him because he loves you and you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. The third thing to do is to respond to the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, after you abide in it and the Holy Spirit tells you something, I mean, what you going to do? I'm sorry, sir. You had the wrong number. Hang up the phone. <laughs> or, you know, you look at your phone and it says Holy Spirit calling and you swipe it so that it would decline the call. Come on now. You got to respond to the Holy Spirit. Christians should respond to the urging of the Holy Spirit with joy and humility, seeking strength to be obedient to God's call. Yeah. So when you respond to the Holy Spirit, you respond with joy. You respond with humility, meaning that you're removing the independence of you 
and depending on God. And you're responding to that dependence on God so that he can give you the strength to be obedient to the call that God has on your life. Now, your calling may not necessarily be in the pulpit. It may not necessarily be a pastor, but we all have a calling here on earth. And that is to show people that Christ lives today, that Christ lives in us. And we are able to express to them how it's easy, easy to live a life loving the Lord and and being a Christian. Okay, it's not complicated. So when we have an urging of the Holy Spirit, we got to go with joy and humility. So if somebody tells you, all right, I got a good one. So, you know, (laughs) a lot of times every year, um, many churches, especially in our covenant family, they will have um, their annual fast. It's usually at the, you know, the sometime in December uh, to like the first of the year, if I'm not mistaken. But you know, they embrace it. They go forward in the Holy Spirit with joy and humility. You know, they're not walking in all cast down like, oh, Lord, pastor said the first week we getting rid of, rid of meat. So all that bacon I bought, I guess we got to put it in the freezer. Oh, Lord, Man, the last week of this fast, y'all, we just going to be drinking water and juices and eating fruits and vegetables. Okay? So, you know, you're responding not in a joyful way. And then if you have a pastor after your that a pastor who loves God and he has a heart that's after God, he is designed just for you, so you receive directives from him. Because he heard what the Holy Spirit, what God wanted the church to do collectively. And if he's excited about it, then guess what? You get excited about it. Why? Because he's your pastor. And yeah, there's an order of things, y'all. Yeah, even though the pastor is human, but the pastor is being used by God. And the order is submission. The order is obedience. The order is joy. The order is doing things in humility. And when it does get weak, when you're not clear, you know, you can go to your pastor and ask questions, or you can just seek strength in the word of God to ask, Lord, help me be obedient. Help me shut my mouth. Lord, help me not look at that steak the same way I did over a month ago. Respond to the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Number four, obey God's commands. You know, demonstrating love for God by obeying his commands is crucial for us. You know, we got the Ten Commandments, but guess what? There's more commandments that go along with that, right? But, you know, you think about the one where it says, um, love your neighbor as yourself, you know, um, that's a command that he wants us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So that's a command for him saying, y'all need to love yourself before you love somebody else. But as you do that, you need to still love your neighbor (laughs) through that process, you know? So you want to obey God's commands. Last thing I want to do is be, be disobedient. All right. Number five, trust and faith. Trust and faith, my, my, my. 
obedience shows trust in God and is a demonstration of faith. Man, a demonstration of faith. And it even says if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. So it don't have to be huge, but you got to trust in that mustard seed. You got to trust that, you know, God has his hand in this situation and that you're going to be obedient to what he says over the situation or the person or the plan or the money. I mean, I can go on and on, but it is also a demonstration of faith. I mean, again, we go back to hair. I mean, we go back to uh, the wise men with Mary and Joseph say if they didn't trust God and their actions, their follow through what happened afterward wasn't a demonstration of faith, but rather a demonstration of fear. Okay. So, you know, faith and fear don't go together, but I thank God that they trusted and they have faith. Because they gave us an example, excuse me, of what obedience is. And this one I want you to really, really focus on. It is practice obedience in the small things. Let me say that again. Practice obedience in the small things. Anytime we say we're going to do something with God, we can overwhelm ourselves thinking that it is this humongous uh, task, this humongous event that's got to happen. No, practice obedience in the small things. Yeah. You know, if you know that your body is a temple and you're working on something related to your health, um, and, you know, you're trying to change your, your eating habits so that you can, again, work on your health because God revealed to you that if you don't let them that pig feet alone or you don't let, the, <laughs> let that country ham alone, be prepared to have a heart attack. No, 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 no. That's straight from the pits of hell. We don't want no heart attack, right? But if God tells us to pull back from that pork, then guess what? We need to pull back from that pork. Now, does it mean that, oh my God, you know, I can't have no turkey bacon or I can't have nothing to eat? No. Small things, y'all. Practice obedience in small things. Young people, (laughs) my girls, I know they love me, but a demonstration of obedience for them is like if if I'm in the bed or, you know, I needed something and they know I have like trouble with walking. So I will text them or I'll call them or I'll get on Alexa and say, Hey, you know, can you let them know that I need something? They're obedient. Now, granted, they may not always want to be because <laughs> I'm pretty sure they laying in the bed on the phone, watching TV, whatever. But they practice obedience in the small things. And that small thing was getting up, getting mom's cup and putting ice water in it, you know? So by practicing obedience in the small things, Christians can lay a foundation for obedience in bigger tasks. 
So because my girls know how to be obedient and get their mom some ice water, the bigger task. Now my oldest is serving in one of the largest mega ministries in the in the country thus far um, called Elevation Church. And she's a leadership there. So because she learned obedience in small things, she was able to then share, grow in her obedience for bigger things. So, you know, it's funny because people talk about her, about how willing she is to do things, how quick she is to respond, um, you know, how she doesn't mind doing the extra. Why? Because she knows it's bigger than her, y'all. And when you know and recognize that people's lives, things that the Lord wants you to do is bigger than you, you become obedient so that you are setting up that foundation of obedience for a bigger task. Obedience in small things matter. In Zechariah 4.10, it says, don't despise the day of small things. So God uses Joseph's small thing. And that small thing was a simple yes to do a big thing. <laughs> uh-huh. Mary used a small thing by saying yes to do a great thing. Okay? The three wise men, whew, they themselves, you know, they did a small thing by deciding to go a different route to do a great thing. So small obedience or large obedience, obedience is obedience. Okay. And then finally, make thoughts obey to Christ. Christians, we have the power to make our thoughts obey Christ, which is important for obedience. Ooh, ooh. Mm. Man, I'm going to go back to the illustration of my girls. <laughs> All right. Say, for instance, I called them and I said, hey, yeah, can you bring me some um, ice water? And then they get there, they bring it. And then 30 minutes later, I send them a message like, oh, do you mind getting me an orange? So if they go get an orange and bring it in the room and they are just, you know, sitting down, I'm pretty sure their thoughts may not always have been pleasant. You know, they could have been like, darn, I'm going to get on my nerves. I'm going to tell I'm asleep. Mama, get on my nerve. I got this dude. No. <laughs> you know, so they had to make those thoughts captive. They had to take and cast them things down so that they could obey. And they made their thoughts obey to Christ because they recognized, okay, mom needs a little assistance. And I'm to honor my mother and my father. So let me honor her by getting her that orange she'd been texting me about for 30 minutes and that cup of ice cold water. So... <laughs> Again, little or s small obedience is the same as large and big obedience, okay? Because obedience is obedience. But when it is following the plan of God, it's wonderful. So, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus on that beautiful silent night, the significance of obedience is emphasized as a crucial aspect of discipleship. So, you know, we are to go, ye therefore, and teach. We are there to, you know, spread the gospel to all nations. And it requires significant obedience to be able to share with people about the birth of Christ and let people know that God sent his only begotten son 
you know, cause he loved us so much. So, you know, there's things that we have to do in order to develop discipleship. And one of them is, is excuse me, obedience. So not only is discipleship simply uh, described as obedience, but it is a risk taking obedience for Jesus. Mm. Obedience is portrayed as life giving. Mm-hmm. And faith stretching. God Almighty, that that'd be a whole a whole nother sermon, y'all. Faith stretching. You know, it was a stretch of faith for us to even begin virtual ministry. <laughs> you know, um, faith stretching. And we did that because God gave Pastor Tucker a divine revelation about where certain avenues of the church were either lacking or what was needed. And it was more than just during the pandemic. There are people who really want to be able to get the word out to the world. So he's, he's smart. He's developed those things through prayer, through meditation and through trusting God through the process. So it was a faith stretching because we're no longer in the church building. You know, we no longer on Park Avenue. So we have now the My Church channel. So we're all over the place instead of just Park Avenue. Okay. So the birth of Jesus, you know, it is just as important and how it's truly tied in and linked to the obedience of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus himself. Yeah, Jesus had to be obedient too, (laughs) y'all. So, you know, it played an important part of unfolding God's plan for redemption. My Lord, it's so important. It's so important to be obedient to what God wants you to do. And if you go, well, Pastor Steph, how do I know what God wants me to do? A lot of times we think our gifts, talents, and abilities are just for ourselves or it's something that we want praise for when really our gift, talents, and abilities can be used because God wants us to use them. So we be obedient to him. The name Jesus, it reminds us of the power, the presence, and the purpose of the risen Christ. Yes, it does. It assures us that God's gracious intention is to save us. Thank you, Lord. Our Lord Jesus brought God to humanity and now brings humans to God through the salvation he purchased. Wow. God gave his only begotten son. You know, he didn't want us to perish. He didn't want us to live a life beneath uh, privilege. You know, he wanted us to understand how the acts of obedience leads to the path of, of the redemptive power of Christ, the redemptive power of salvation. So if you're listening to me, And you go, you know, this sounds pretty good. 
And, you know, I, I, I realized that <clears throat> I'm not in the right spot of my life. And I realized that I need to learn more about this obedience thing that you're talking about, Pastor Steph. And, you know, sometimes I just find it difficult just to be obedient after all. Well, you know, Jesus is a prime example of obedience. And he knew that, you know, God had a purpose for him here on this earth. And he was obedient all the way up to death on a cross. He was also obedient when he ascended to heaven and is now seated at the right hand of God. He is obedient because God sent that gift of the Holy Spirit to be our active GPA system, the active power of God that is in us. So, you know, all you got to do is say, okay, all right, Lord, you know, I messed up. Um, Lord, I struggle with wanting to follow the world's way. I struggle with being disobedient and, and not listening to the things that people have been trying to tell me about you. I recognize, Lord, I cannot do it all. And I can't do it by myself. So as long as you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus is your Savior, that's it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> You're saved. And because of that, it's so important to connect. Connect with a body of Christ that is going to be able to help you develop not only the gift of salvation that you already received, but how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, how to walk in the power of the birth of that beautiful little baby that died just for us. And his name is Jesus because his power, his presence will be your purpose, your purpose in life. So if you have questions or if you receive uh, salvation today or even looking for a church home, all you have to do is go to our website to find out more information. And that is www.lovemychurch.org and click contact us. Simple. You can click everything else so you can click contact us. Amen. And you want to sow a financial seed. <laughs> Jesus. It's time for you to sow that financial seed. And that seed is um, something that comes from your heart as a cheerful giver, not given out of guilt, not given out of shame, but giving out of the gift of love that God has given you for him. And, um, you know, you don't want to hold your gifts. And um, truly, anything that goes into this ministry, we then turn it out so that it goes back into the hands of the ministry for people across this world. And I thank God that, you know, we have the opportunity to give. And we talked about the silent night, the power of obedience. There is power of obedience, and that is demonstrated through giving. Amen. So whatever's led in your heart um, and what you trust God for or what he even tells you, all you have to do 
is follow the information on the screen to sow that financial seed. And uh, we have the cash app. Or you can visit our website, www.lovemychurch.org, sow a seed. And, you know, just pray and then release your faith and trust God, trust and faith to lead you to the obedience of being able to give. Amen. Amen. I praise God for each and every one of you. I'm so glad that y'all had the opportunity just to be here with me. And I pray that you have a wonderful Christmas. I pray that y'all have a good time. And even when there's time, sometimes all families don't get along, that you, <laughs> that you will be able to demonstrate the love of God. And who knows, you might be able to minister to one of your family members during this holiday time. I'm just saying. So, but enjoy yourself. I thank God for you all spending time with me today. And I love you. And this is Pastor Stephanie. And please stay tuned for our announcements. At my church, we help people get better by teaching them how the word works. And we want to make sure there is no excuse not to get the word. It's our goal to make all of our ministries accessible on every smartphone, tablet, PC, and television connected to the internet. So whether you're a man who needs some wisdom, a woman who needs some encouragement, or a couple who needs guidance, the My Church channel has just what you need. Simply search for the My Church channel on Roku, Firestick, or Apple TV, or visit mychurchchannel.org. You can also download the My Church on the Go app from Apple or Google Play App Store. Constantly on the move? Check out the Word at My Church podcast on your favorite podcast platform. or simply download the Word at My Church skill on your Alexa-enabled device. But whatever you do, make sure to stay connected. See you soon.